Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie. Excited to have you back with us for another edition of Marnie's Friends and we are Coming up to Love Week, and so talking about critical keys to experiencing more in your marriage with our guest today, Cindy McMenamin. And during this hour, you are going to discover the number one cause for most marital issues, why women hold on to hurts and how to move forward, seven new ways to switch it up at home, three deadly traps to avoid in your marriage, how to bring out the best in your spouse, how to identify emotional caves and find your way out, obstacles to joint prayer times and how to encourage your man, plus what to do when all you want to do is leave and ways to rekindle your first love. Cindy McMenamin is our guest today. She's an award-winning author and national speaker. As a Bible teacher, her passion is to help women strengthen their relationships and walk with God. Her most recent book is 12 Ways to Experience More with Your Husband, More Trust, More Passion, More Communication. Her website is strengthforthesoul.com. Welcome to you, Cindy. Hi, Marnie. Good to be talking with you again. Well, it is great to have you back. It's always fun to talk with you. And I know last time we had you on, it was fun. Uh, we just have such a uh, united <laughs> way of looking at looking at yes. life and marriage and, and what God would have us to do. It's so fun. Anyway, today's topic is on marriage. And maybe before we start, just give us a little background. You are married, and I think you have some kids. Yes, about I am. That. We'll be married 30 years this August. My husband, Hugh, is a pastor, also an introvert. I think that plays uh, a lot in uh, writing this because I can relate to marriages in which the husband and wife are very different from each other personality-wise and how they process life. We have one daughter. Her name is Dana. She's 25 years old now, still living at home but commuting into Disneyland where she works. So she has a really fun job, and that's fun for us as well. And um, we are still very involved with ministry here at our church in Carlsbad, so we're in San Diego County. Sounds perfect, and I bet it always has been perfect, hasn't it? No, it has not. <laughs> I see. <laughs> no marriage is perfect. <laughs> and, and I learn from my mistakes, and then I share those mistakes. And the funny thing is this book, 12 Ways to Experience More with Your Husband, the original title, the title I proposed it as was, reversing the top 10 relationship killers because I knew what relationship mm. killers were and I could write that book. And my publisher said, let's put a more positive spin on this. So. <laughs> oh, well, you actually, you actually have a number one cause for marital issues. What is that? Well, from what I've seen and from what I've experienced, it's unmet expectations. And then as I did mm-hmm. some more research, I saw that the number one reason for divorce today is failure to communicate or communicating poorly. So it's so essential that 
uh, wives learn how to talk to their husbands, actually that they talk to each other, but many times it's right there with the wife because she has the ability to draw things out of her husband. She has the ability to initiate that conversation and also to re-examine the way she's been looking at things so that maybe what she thought were issues and problems really aren't aren't really, maybe she can get another perspective on it. Hmm. Unmet expectations. That's, that's one of my top three <laughs> most hated phrases <laughs> in the English language. <laughs> yeah, it, it can really crush. Um, and I think that anybody who is married has faced mm-hmm. the reality of unmet expectations at some point where you just Mm-hmm. really had no idea. And I think a lot of it comes from our upbringings. You know, you just kind of assume that the other person is going to do certain things certain ways because that's the only way you've ever right. seen them done in your whole right. extended family. And so it yes. just comes as yeah. a real shocker. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure. And the communication is just huge. I know we're going to talk about that as we go through the hour here too. So mm-hmm. let's um, let's move right into the why women hold on to hurts and how to move forward because this one actually um, – I remember, I remember sitting in a sitting in a marriage conference with my husband years ago, and the person I was talking said, "You know, if you if you are holding on to bitterness, you need to release mm-hmm. that because that's killing you." And I was like, "Yeah, no mm-hmm. bitterness. I think I'm okay." And he said, "Even if you're just describing it as really deeply wounded, like you you feel deeply hurt," and I'm like, "Oh, I've got those." Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do tend to um, kind of let ourselves hold on to those a little bit mm-hmm. more than we would if we described it in different words. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I talked with a counselor friend of mine and who sees a lot of couples who um, come to her for counseling a lot. And what she told me really struck a chord with me, and I saw it in our marriage as well. And that is when the heart gets poked, it starts to close off. And I thought, how many times has that happened mm. in my life too? When my heart gets poked by something my husband didn't even mean, but because of hurt and baggage and brokenness that we all carry with us, um, I interpret it a certain way and I just kind of hold on to it, maybe resent it, bring it out another time. And, and so I wrote this chapter called Let It Go because that's so hard for us sometimes. We, we hold on to those things because um, we just uh, – we kind of nurse those wounds when we need to learn how to let them go, shake them off, forgive, and move forward. So I kind of lay out some some ways that we can, you know, first of all, identify what triggers pain in your life. Um, I grew up with uh, with parents who divorced, actually, after I became an adult. So I do carry some insecurities that I wasn't aware I had, and every once in a while they will come out. And when I say something or react a certain way to my husband and he'll look at me a certain way like, where did that come from? That's an indication to me that, okay, he said something or a situation triggered something in me and I'm looking at him as the person who's hurting me when that really isn't the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and being able to surrender that pain and, and uh, know our true identity, I have to remind myself in the heat of the moment I am loved by Christ. I am loved by my husband, too, even though that's something that I'm not focusing on right now. Um, I am secure in my relationship with God. I am significant to him because sometimes we carry these wounds of 
oh, that, that's just another piece of rejection or that's just another way that I don't measure up. And, and again, not realizing that some of those things will still tend to bother us. When we know our true identity, we can just combat those lies and then practice grace and forgiveness and realize that, okay, my husband isn't the enemy here. He said something that triggered something in me, but I've got to deal with that. And then I've got to release him from it and not make him responsible to patch up all those things with me. And then I have to leave those things that hurt me in the past so we can move forward. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, that's really good. You, um, you actually have a list of seven ways that we can switch things up at home that can <laughs> help. Um. <laughs> so first of all, why, did you, why do you feel like it's important to switch things up at home? Well, we can get stale and complacent in our marriages so easily. And um, I, uh, my sister-in-law was telling me that she went to this health spa one day and it had a sign out front that said, leave your baggage at the door. This is a place of peace and rest. And I started thinking, mm-hmm. what if we had that sign in our houses and we remembered this is a place in peace and rest. This is not a place to bring up the baggage. This is a place where I want my husband to be really happy that he is and and to feel safe and to feel loved and so I thought you know if we can kind of switch things up now and then and actually treat our husbands like guests in the home rather than somebody that we tend to take advantage of um, sometimes those closest to us see the worst in us but wouldn't it be great if those closest to us saw the best in us too so I started That's thinking awesome. about some simple things. Yeah, like uh, re-examining our greetings and goodbyes. Um, I've noticed particularly lately when my husband comes home, I might be upstairs in my study on the computer, and he'll usually call up to me, hey, I'm home, and oh, hi, but then I don't get up and move. You know, would I do that to a guest? No, I'd come down to the door. I'd let them in. I'd make sure, you know, they had everything they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being able to treat him as a guest in his home, well, that makes a difference. He notices when I notice him. <laughs> no, I want to, and I want to pause there too. There's, I can't think of his name right now, but there's a guy that really, this is kind of his trademark um, specialty is helping people understand how to spend the first 30 to 60 seconds upon walking in the door. And one of the things that I thought was mm. so fascinating, and of course, once he says it out loud, you go, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. But you know, we don't always mm. do it like this. So what he does is he does this little demo and like the husband walks in and um, the wife is there holding a baby, and then there's a dog, you know. <laughs> the husband, like, pinches the baby's cheek, bends down, uh, pets the dog, and then greets the wife. You know, and you, you, could just, you can just feel in that moment when you're watching it with your eyes open, oh, right, that's, oh. that's the order it should be in. You know, or um, <laughs> if somebody comes in, comes in the house talking on the phone, just kind of shoes everybody away and quiet, 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 quiet. I've got this important phone call I'm taking. Um, mm. You know, and it's not that you can never do that, but it's just a, this reminder that that welcome moment is pretty important. And it's important mm-hmm. um, It's important in every setting. I remember one day uh, one of the um, spouses of a, of a staff member came into one of our businesses and walked past his wife to tell me something. And I just said to him, I said, I said, uh, I'm just going to tell you about a training I just took. Uh, that was a big boo-boo, and you're probably going to have to apologize <laughs> for that. <laughs> you know, we don't even think about it. But that greeting and that mm-hmm. goodbye are really important, aren't they? Yes, they are. And I remember one time I came home from a, uh, a speaking engagement. I came home after traveling for a few days. And when I got there, I'm like, oh, 
did you do the laundry? I hope you wash those in cold. And then I'm like, oh, did you uh, leave this stuff in the sink? Oh, what happened here? And my husband just stared at me, and he finally said, would you stop? And I thought, what? And he said, I wanted a reunion when you came home, but you wanted an inspection. And I thought, wow. Mm. (laughs) I didn't even realize I came across that way. Wow, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what's number two? (laughs) Oh, on uh, switching it up? Yep. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Uh, I lost my page That's here. Okay. okay, so re-examining our greetings and our goodbyes and uh, – okay, so here's another one. Uh, resolving to be a mystery. I'm the kind of person that says everything I feel, and I shouldn't do that sometimes. It's nice when my husband wonders what I'm thinking um, in a good way, not a bad way. Sometimes just smiling at him but not saying what's on your mind and let him pull that out. And when you say, you know, I was just – I was just thinking about, you know, how great you look tonight and remembering that night I fell in love with you. Things like that, but waiting a while to say that. Just building up that that mystery and intrigue. Another way we can switch it up, release our expectations. That's what we talked about a little bit earlier. But wow, when my um, husband realizes that I am taking my expectations to God first and having him meet me in the way that he can, and then there's not such a heavy load on my husband, it frees him up to do what he can, and that improves our relationship so much. And then one of my husband's favorite things in the way that I've switched it up is I end up requesting his list. Do you know how we give our husbands a honey-do list of all the things we want them to do? Um, Sometimes just saying, what is it that you need from me? Or what is it that you want the most from me at this season in your life? Or sometimes it's just, hey, give me three things I can do tomorrow to help you out. That goes a long way with them, I think, because our husbands often expect us to tell them what we need from them. And they kind of like it when we tell them what, that we'd like to know what they need from us. Yes. And releasing your inhibitions. Um, Sometimes husbands just like their wives to be spontaneous, uh, to be creative. Um, My husband once told me, you know, I like visibility, spontaneity, and creativity. And we talked about that a little bit. And um, what it means is sometimes just being a whole lot less intimidated uh, and inhibited, um, particularly in the bedroom. That can kind of switch things up at home. And I talk about, you know, if you've had a bad experience and this and that, how we can take that to the Lord, how we can try to talk about that with our husbands too, but giving them the benefit of the doubt and just releasing some of those inhibitions and having fun. Sometimes when we become parents, we get so caught up in the responsibility that we kind of forget how to play and just have fun with our husbands again. Mm, so fun. We're going to come right back and hear the rest of these seven, but uh, we're going to take a short break. And also when we come back here, the three deadly traps to avoid in your marriage and how to bring out the best in your spouse. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. 
Welcome back. This is Marty. We're visiting today with Cindy McManaman from drinksforthesoul.com talking about critical keys to experiencing more in your marriage. Okay, we were talking before the break about some ways to switch it up at home. I think you have a couple more or one more? Yes, uh, two more. Uh, Remember to touch. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. as easy as reaching across the table or the couch to hold your spouse's hand. Even if it's just for a few minutes, touch goes so far. Uh, Rub his shoulder. Give him a little bit of a back rub. Show that you care. I was surprised to find that research shows that married couples who practice daily discipline of affectionate touch are much healthier than those who don't. Mm. And I've heard some wives say, you know, I just don't feel like touching him. I just don't want to do all that stuff. You know, take baby steps. Just start holding hands again. It's amazing how, how much that can help you feel reconnected and help him feel connected with you as well. And then the last one was, uh, remove the zigzag and (laughs) there's a lot of things that just kind of um, prevent us from connecting immediately and directly with our spouse we've got different schedules and different interests and different priorities and they often lead to different destinations and I say in my book eventually indifference and I've found the best way to remove that zigzag the best way to, to start bridging that distance is to ask my husband every day, how can I pray for you? Or tell me one thing I can do for you to make your day easier. That tells him that I'm focusing in on him and what's happening in his life. And even if there's unresolved issues, that's a way of of connecting and saying, you're on my heart and my mind, and I really want to do what I can for you today. Hmm. Yeah, those are just great. Yeah, and you you actually have some deadly traps that we need to avoid in our marriage. Um, You know, (laughs) I always just think, you know, basically in my life, if I can just avoid being self-centered, that just goes a long way toward everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Okay. So what are your three deadly traps? <laughs> <laughs> well, in my chapter, Let Him Breathe, I talk about how men uh, often need their space even more than women do. We are very relationally oriented. You know, we want to be close, and sometimes they just need that breathing room. And I talk about that the big three that we need to avoid smothering, mothering, and hovering. We can smother when we just always want to be around, when we're um, kind of treating our husbands like our girlfriends, talking about everything that we would with our our girlfriends. A lot of times it goes at a pace that they don't even understand (laughs) their way back to what we said in the first few sentences. We need to save that, you know, for our girlfriends. Um, Sometimes they don't want to hear about every single thing that happened. So just kind of selecting that and not just always smothering being right there and having to have so much from him. I often um, have to remember in my own life, as well as advising others, uh, cut the mothering. Every man wants a lover, not a mother. And sometimes it's things like, um, oh, did you remember to do this? And, oh, be careful, honey. And we, we can, if we're not careful, we can start talking to our husbands like we do to our children. And I don't know a man around who likes that. (laughs) They often want to be encouraged, but not mothered. And then halt the hovering. Um, You've heard of helicopter parents who, you know, can't let their kids out of their sight. Wives can hover sometimes too. Sometimes it's because we don't trust them alone with the kids or we don't trust them with that project or if they're repairing something, we want to make sure they get it right. 
And by hovering, we're saying, I don't really trust what you're doing, so I'm not going to let you out of my sight. And that's another thing that most men want their independence in that area. And as my husband would say, don't emasculate a man by making him think you always have to be there to make sure things go well. Yeah, and I think for me, um, because my husband is a dare, dare, kind of a daredevil, in fact, before uh-huh. I said I would marry him, I actually had a little chat with God, and I said, well, <laughs> if, I say yes, if, I, if I say yes to this man, then I have to be willing that when he becomes a quadriplegic, I won't say I told you so. <laughs> But instead, oh, I yeah. would cheerfully take care of him for the rest of his life because he was such a daredevil and um, still just has that, you know, uh, drive mm-hmm. to, you know, take things to their outer limit and kind of in a dangerous way. And a lot of you gals can really relate to this. And especially mm-hmm. the younger generation is into the extreme sports. I always say the older generation, our, our sports were like you'd break a leg or, you know, something. These guys, their <laughs> sports, you'd die. And, you know, you wow. could wheelchair the yeah. rest of your life. So uh, it's just more and more, but it is difficult as a wife not to um, express the kind of concern that we Uh as mothers feel. God put inside of us a very huge protective gene. Oh, yeah. We want to secure safety, but when applied Uh to a husband, it's it's improper. And so a lot of us really struggle with, with that particular one. Yes, I've struggled with that, too. My husband loves backpacking, and he's gone up to Mount Rainier and and gone missing for 12 hours. That (laughs) can do something to a wife. Mm -hmm. So whenever he goes out on his trip, he always goes with other people. He's still smart about it. He goes and, you know, he always watches the weather conditions and doesn't go during the times when there's usually storms and this and that. But when he gets prepared for a trip, it's natural for me to say, okay, be careful. And he, one time he just (laughs) flat out told me, you know what, I don't want to hear you say be careful. And I said, but... That's my way of saying I, I love, love you. you. He said, I want, yeah, I know. That's what I say because I care about you. I don't want you to get hurt. He said, but to me, it translates, I don't think you can do this. I think you might get hurt. I think you're not capable. I said, no, that's not what I meant. He said, I want to hear you say, have a great time. He goes, that's what boosts my confidence. That's what says I love you to me. I never mm-hmm. would have imagined that telling him have a great time conveys the same thing as I love you, be careful, I don't want to lose you. But that's what he wants to hear, not a be careful. Right. Well, and I think we should pause right here for a few minutes too because I think one of the things that I've come to understand is that respect um, respect to them, you know, and the Bible talks about this, to, to respect them, to really give them a place of honor. And that does not mm-hmm. equate trust in the same way as I trust Jesus. Um, I trust Jesus in a different whole way yes. than I trust mm-hmm. my husband. And I'm not actually right. asked to trust my husband. I'm actually asked mm-hmm. to respect him, to give him the kind of respect that he needs in order to go and do what he needs to do. And I, I think that those are pretty important distinctions because, mm-hmm. honestly, sometimes what our husbands or even our adult children or someone we're partnering with in ministry, what they're proposing to do, you look at it and you say, um, I don't think that's going to work, actually. I don't trust you in this situation because what you're doing is not actually mm-hmm. healthy. It's not actually a good choice. Yet I can respect your decision to do this as a person. Yes. I can respect you and say, okay, that's what you're choosing to do. Okay, I can, you know, I can respect that. So talk about that just a little bit. Where is that distinction for you? How do you actually see that and how do you handle it? You know, it's, sometimes that's really hard because when he says, um, you know, trust me and 
um, you know, it might, it might be a decision that he's making. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, I don't feel good about that. And I don't feel good about that. And, you know, Marnie, when he says you need to trust me, I've, I've realized, okay, with the terminology he's using, I can't talk him out of that. And that's when I go to God and I say, God, you know, he is my husband and I am obeying you by um, yielding to his lead. So God, would you give me peace about this and help me to trust you that what he's doing uh, is right. going to be okay and it's all going to work out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's where I have to go too. If I'm put in a position and it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be with a husband either. It's a person either in authority over you or someone in, right. a, in a situation where, you know, they may be asking you for advice, but then they may not take it. Um, and, and you may be involved with the consequences of the mm-hmm. decision you know, with the fallout of that. And I think that's exactly where I have to get to also. And sometimes I can get there immediately. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a battle, a prayer battle for me Uh to get there. But but eventually to come to the point where instead of trusting the person or trusting Uh the situation to come out a certain way, we just trust Jesus. We just, that's where we can't. All all of my hope and my trust is in you. Right. And then we Right, I like that clarification you made. Yeah, and and I think it's I think it's complex. I think it's hard. It's hard sometimes because their uh, their choices actually really do. You know, I was talking with a very close friend the other day, and we were kind of laughing about how you know when uh, when she or when I'm are talking about making a decision that may not turn out well. You know, we give each other complete freedom and latitude to go for it. You know, <laughs> but uh-huh. with our spouses, <laughs> we tend to get a little more tight fisted because. We are going to be directly affected right. by the choice, which makes right. it uh, much easier to close our fists down around the way that mm-hmm. we want it to go. And, you yes, know, and, and it's, and it's sometimes, that belly trap. Yeah, and sometimes, like, when, when I don't agree with my husband, it's because of financial reasons, because I'm more, you know, I'm more in touch with what's happening financially. And so when he says, well, you, you know, you need to trust me in this, but you're right, I need to translate that to respect him in that. Um, and, and, and a lot of times we talk it through and he will understand my point. And again, we'll, we'll both take that to God. And then sometimes, you know, it turns out a little differently, but yeah, <laughs> just being able to, sometimes it's hard to just, you know, 100% follow that lead. So, um, I know though, that when we seek to honor God by honoring our husbands, God has a way of working that out, either changing their perspective on it and changing their decision or working through the situation in which we felt we had to yield against our better judgment. Oh, my goodness. And we can see that all through Scripture. We can see that mm-hmm. God can use anything for good. Um, it does yeah. not have to be the perfect scenario or the safest way. <laughs> you can just use Oh, so this is great. We're talking today with Cindy McMenamin of strengthsforthesoul.com about critical keys to experiencing more in your marriage. We're going to come right back and talk about how to bring out the best in your spouse as well as how to identify emotional caves that you might wander into and how to get back out. We'll be right back. Okay, Cindy, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can. Okay, I think we've got some technical issues going on here. I'm not sure where okay. where our commercial went, but that's okay, you guys. Uh, the commercial was supposed to encourage you to go over and visit womenspeakers.com, and I'm just going to do that right now. So <laughs> go over and visit womenspeakers.com. Cindy, you're over there, and we've got almost yes, 1,000 gals over there available to come and speak at your next event, and hope that you will check that out. It's a lot of fun to uh, to see who's over there, what the topics are, and You'll find a lot of speakers located somewhere close to you by using the map over there, so womenspeakers.com. All right, Cindy, let's next talk about how to bring out the best in your spouse. And um, first of all, I think, you know, if we go back to our dating days, you know, in fact, my daughter, my daughter's just been married now for three years, and I remember telling her what I loved most about her husband-to-be when they were dating. I said, mm-hmm. I said, I like so many things about Scott, but what I really, really like is that he brings out the best in you. That's what I really like. Uh-huh. And, you know, if we go back to that or those early days, that was really that was really what sparked it for most of us uh-huh. is that this other person really made us feel so special and important, and that's what uh-huh. we loved about it too. <laughs> so uh-huh. if we can just, you know, do the throwback to earlier on, and you have some yeah. tips for us on how to actually accomplish this even later on in the years of marriage. Yeah, you know, um, our husbands brought out the best of us, made us smile all the time, we felt real giddy, we were losing weight. I mean, everything was wonderful, right, when we fell in love, but we were doing the same for them too. And that's kind of a recurring theme throughout the book, you know, going back and doing the things that you used to do. And I think one of the best ways we can bring out the best in them is to just light them up by talking them up. Um, That affirmation, um, when a husband knows uh, that we are still attracted to him, that we are still, um, when our husbands know that we're attracted to him, that we're, uh, we still admire him in many ways, when we still laugh at his jokes, when we still think the sun rises and sets on him, because that's the way it was when we first fell in love. Um, <laughs> that can do so much um, for his um, sense of identity and for the relationship. Every man wants to be built up, I believe, especially by his wife. And we're the only ones that re- can really do that um, in a way that's, that's pure and non, not tempting to him. him. So I think um, just talking him up, talking well about him, um, even talking about him in front of him to other people in a really honoring and uplifting way. Um, I use a couple stories of uh, Men who will say, you know, I I overheard my wife telling that guy that, you know, I'm the best at what I do and um, I'm a true man of integrity on my job and um, there's nobody quite like me. He said, man, I felt like I, you know, was walking 100 feet tall that day. I mean, it was just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's everything for them to hear that coming from us because sometimes through the years we can let them know the ways in which they fall short. I'm pretty sure they, they pretty much already know that, but they've forgotten the ways that they still measure up. They've forgotten the the things that we still love about them. I have a chart in uh, 12 Ways to Experience More with Your Husband where I write out the things that we often say and a better way to say them. (laughs) And I kind of had a discussion with my husband and other husbands to say, you know, what are the kind of things that a wife will say to put you on the defensive when she didn't mean it? And what's a better way that she can say that so the evening will go 
better. And things like, um, and, and I found myself saying this to my husband as well, you know, we, we get ready to go to dinner somewhere, and for him it's just a casual let's go grab a bite to eat, something inexpensive, and then we'll come home and watch something on TV. And I'll say, are you going to go dress like that? And to him, that says, <laughs> you look like a slob. <laughs> hmm. It's not what I meant. What I meant was, why don't you wear something that looks a little nicer? There's still not a really good way to say that. But my husband says, why don't you, why don't you say it like this? Why don't you wear that new shirt you look great in? He goes, I, I'm going to be motivated by that. I want to look great for her. And that's a whole lot better than just an open-ended, are you going to go dress like that? Um, sometimes we can say stuff like, um, I did this once. I wish you'd open doors for me like you used to. You never do that anymore. Well, suddenly he's on the defensive. He feels like he has to explain. He told me a better way to say that is, I really like when you open doors for me. It shows me you care. Then he's motivated to want to do that again. Um, Sometimes it's something like, why don't we go out on dates anymore? A better way to say that is, I miss spending time with you. Let's do something together again soon. Um, This is mine. We've been eating out too much. A better way to say that, I'd like to cook something special for you tonight. Do you see how uh, what could be an accusation turns into mm. affirmation and sometimes mm-hmm. even admiration? Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and I, just think, I just think to just be aware of the way that you feel, you know, I uh-huh. think about the way that I feel when he has bothered to bring out the best in me or to mention yeah. it or to put a spotlight on it. Um, boy, I re- I remember those moments, you know, I do. And uh-huh. uh, we have the opportunity to do that for them too. And, of course, they love it just uh-huh. so much. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so in marriage, there is the potential of uh, going into emotional caves. So, first of all, uh-huh. what is an emotional cave and how do you find yourself in one and how do you get out? An emotional cave is any place that we go to avoid the communication, to avoid having to work it out. You know that whole, I'm just going to be by myself. Sometimes it's not physically leaving the room and going somewhere. It's going somewhere emotionally. It's the way we kind of close off our heart. And we tend to think in a a way, you know, I'm going to go into my cave internally. I'm going to close off my heart and not let him in to hurt me again. We can do that sometimes without even realizing it. Um, When we say things like, Um, my husband and I have drifted apart from each other or he just doesn't know how to be one flesh with me or my husband's kind of aloof or, you know, he floats around in his own world most of the time, different things like that. Um, we, We are basically saying there's a cave and one of us is in it, if not both of us. And we need to be aware of that and know how to gently draw them out of that cave, let them know it's safe to come out again. And we also have to know how to avoid that cave ourselves so we don't go in there and then they're trying to figure out how to draw us out of the cave. Mm. I I mentioned earlier that um, lack of communication and that, that feeling of emotional distance, which is a result of lack of communication or communicating poorly, is now the number one reason for divorce. A decade ago, it was infidelity. Now it's that failure to communicate effectively. That means communication is really serious. So going into our emotional cave or just being okay if our husband goes into his because, oh, I'm tired of dealing with it, we can't afford that in our marriages. We have to be aware of the signs 
and determined to do what we can to close that gap that can exist when we're each sitting in our caves. It's interesting because you, you call it a cave, which I just, I see it. You know, there's a great, <laughs> the analogy there comes to me, it's dark, it's cold, it's uh-huh. damp, it's hard, it's lonely. Yeah. You know, all Isolated, those things are so yeah. good. Isolated, right. You know, and I, I've often thought of it like a pit, like one of us will fall into this pit and just be um, down and, uh, you know, just kind of lost emotionally, just either depressed or discouraged about yeah. something or whatever. And I used to actually, Cindy, I used to think that my job, if he was in the pit, I used to think it was my job to jump in the pit with him and, mm. and you know, be there with him. And, and right. later, as I became a little more mature in my walk with Christ and in our marriage, I realized, no, you know, it's okay not to jump in the pit with him. It's okay to be on the side there uh, mm-hmm. with the rope or, you know, right. whatever, and to, like you said, to gently, to gently um, bring him out. And, and whether it's me or him right. in the pit it, or in the cave, it, it is so wonderful if the other person can help us come out. What if, what if, we, mm-hmm. what if we emotionally detach and get in a cave and the other person really is in their own pit or their own cave at the same time, uh, not able to mm-hmm. help us, and we feel pretty un- unable to help them? What, what would you recommend yeah. at that point? You mean when you're both sitting in the cave? <laughs> yeah, separate cave. Let's go with separate cave. <laughs> oh, okay. So when they're both sitting, yeah. Um, you know, um, we have to, you know, I talk about uh, narrowing that gap or closing that gap because I think the gap can always be widening if we're not being deliberate and intentional about that. And I think, first of all, um, you know, uh, when we, when our husbands don't feel respected, that can shut them down immediately. It can cause them to withdraw. And so uh, we can close that gap or maybe, you know, if we're sitting over in our cave and they're sitting in theirs and, and uh, a lot of times that's pride. Well, he needs to make the first move. Again, our marriages can't afford for us to wait for the other person to make the first move. I think if, if God's impressing that upon our hearts uh, that the relationship isn't quite right and we need to close the gap then we need to do what we can. And I, I think the first thing is, you know, respect and yield to his lead. Show him ways that we respect him. Um, refraining from negative responses. Um, a lot of times our husbands will go into the cave because they're, uh, they might be, you know, prone to depression or something because of something that's happening at work or something that they're dealing with physically or health-wise. And um, it might have nothing to do with us. But we have, I, I believe, an amazing ability to, to reach in there and say, you know what, I'm here. And I love you for who you are, not what you happen to be doing or not doing at the moment. I love you for who you are, and it's okay if you're older or you're less able to do this or that. Um, I'm here, and, and we're a team. And, you know, reinforcing that. Um, reconnecting regularly is, is also important. Sometimes just sitting down to talk doesn't work with my husband. Um, Communication doesn't heal him as much as some quality time together. And so just reconnecting regularly, um, going out together, um, going for a walk in the evening, holding hands, incorporating that touch I talked about earlier. Um, Sometimes it's just taking that extra step, doing something that might look a bit dramatic or over the top to let him know, you know what, I will fight for you. I will fight for us. This is important. Um, 
And I think, you know, just remaining open toward one another. I think we can tell when we begin to close our hearts off. I think we can tell when that hardened edge starts happening. And, you know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs to guard our hearts with all diligence. You know, they need to be a spring of of water and, and we can make them into a stagnant swamp if we're not guarding our heart and keeping it soft. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. And reminding him, just reminding him about how important he is to us. Um, there's that old song, Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. Every once in a while, my husband will text yeah. that to me. And if I've been you know, kind of distancing, wow, that really helps. And so then I remembered yeah. that, and I'd text it back to him. And he'll often say, you know, that came at a good time. What? You didn't think I loved it? We never know what they're dealing with. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think right. any man is going to say, you know, you say too many nice things to me. You need to stop. I think that they're yeah. <laughs> continually wanting to hear that. Mm, yeah. Well, that kind of goes right into the next thing we wanted to talk about was prayer times and praying with our spouses. And um, I know that mm-hmm. I know that for a lot of gals, this is a huge, uh, for yeah. gals that are Christians and they really have a strong, strong desire to pray with their husband, but he doesn't really want to pray with them. And it can be a huge, um, this can be a big barrier in our marriages if we don't know, mm-hmm. A, how to, how to go about approaching it, and B, how to deal with, how to deal with it if he just isn't up to it. And I think, I think both of those right. things are important. So first of all, talk about some of the obstacles to praying together. Yes, I I included a whole section in the appendix of the book called How to Encourage Your Husband to Pray With You. And I I pointed out that I think there's more of us that wish we did pray together than actually do. It is a very seriously difficult thing to do, I think, because of spiritual warfare that's going on. But even obstacles like schedules, you know, you might be, um, your husband might be a morning person and maybe you're not. Or, you know, when do we actually find the time? Um, And again, if you've got young kids or you're both working, it is difficult to schedule in. When are we going to do that? Um, There's also the intimidation factor. Some men spiritually aren't where their wives are spiritually and vice versa. And so one of them might feel kind of intimidated praying with the other one. Well, what if I don't pray that well? Or what if I don't pray that long? Or what if, what if my prayer doesn't sound well? I think prayer makes anyone feel vulnerable, um, especially, you know, when we have somebody else besides God that's listening in. We need to be aware of, of maybe feelings of intimidation. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, that, that spiritual battle. I think once we decide and we set up a time when we're going to actually pray together, a million things happen to prevent that. You know, the kid gets sick or the dog throws up or <laughs> the alarm didn't go off or, you know, we got an important call that we had to take. So we need to be aware that there's this unseen battle going on when we're trying to to pray with our husbands as well. So I kind of give um, some ways to push through those obstacles um, by starting with just just praying it through, telling God about your desire to pray with your husband. God, I want to do this, and I want to approach him with this, and I want him to be as open about it as, uh, as I am. Um, would you begin preparing his heart to want to do this? And then show me how and where we can do this. And then um, I think when, you know, when our husbands agree to that, we can just say, you know, when's a good time? Um, and even if it's just a, a 30-second prayer in the morning, let, let's start with what we can and, uh, you know, easing into it, 
um, starting it short and keeping it short. Um, sometimes we don't have a whole lot of time for extended prayer, especially if that's in the morning. Or I used to always want to pray before we go off to bed, and <laughs> I'd pray so long my husband would fall asleep and then he'd feel bad, and uh, we don't want that to happen either. <laughs> um, you know, keeping it simple, um, maybe even just determining – um, you know, let's pray for our kids right now. Or, you know what, let's just pray for that meeting you have at work tomorrow. Um, even if it's you praying, just, just holding his hand for a second and praying uh, briefly, you know, letting him know it's not going to be some big, long, drawn-out thing where he's going to feel trapped with you. Um, and then, you know, also maybe just keeping it safe, um, letting your husband know that anything you guys pray about, you're not going to use against him later. Um, also, you know, if I'm going to pray with my husband, it can't start out with, Lord, you know how it's been really difficult with us, and I really want my husband to see things a certain way. You know, I need to keep those things for my private time with God and my prayers with my husband about something that he can join me in praying with that maybe doesn't feel too personal at first if we're just starting out praying. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah, absolutely. And I have a couple thoughts on that, too. Um, one of them is, one of them is that I had seen a survey somewhere, and I don't know where it was, but it was talking about a uh, number one reason that men don't like to pray with their wives is because their wives tend to use it as a, an opportunity to club them over the head, like almost uh-huh. praying as in preaching, like not really praying right. to God as much as making sure that she has an opportunity to verbalize her um, uh, unhappiness uh-huh. in the marriage. Exactly. And that's a huge turnoff in a prayer time with your husband, uh, like you say, right. just save that, save that for your prayer time with God and pray with him about things that you can be in unity about and things that mm-hmm. are, um, you know, just kind. And I was thinking too about the style and comfort level. I remember um, earlier in our marriage, I felt like I needed to um, tell Dave about everything that I was experiencing in my prayer times, you know, just make sure that he was up to date, you know, submit all that information to him, blah, 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 blah. And then I went out to lunch one day with a really good friend who was um, more like from a Lutheran background, and she really um, wasn't really up to hearing all the crazy, amazing things God was telling me in my prayer times, and that was just kind of foreign to her. And I noticed that I just didn't. As soon as I noticed she was uncomfortable, I just backed off, and we talked about uh, other things that she was comfortable with. And I remember going home and being convicted. Marnie, if you would be that kind to your friend, do you think you could be that kind to your husband? He doesn't necessarily uh, have to experience everything you experience in prayer. It's not, it's not like your oneness is being divided if you don't tell him the things that make him uncomfortable in your prayer life. Um, you know, because we're just from real, I'm from a, you know, more charismatic background and he's from a more uh-huh. uh, structured background. You know, it's just different. Our prayer lives are very different from each other. And yet we're still both communicating right. with God and we love that. Uh, so it was just, you know, this, this thought to just, again, make, make his comfort level, make his enjoyment of the prayer times and well, how we share them and what we do in that as, as good for him as it is for me. It doesn't just, you know, it's not just all about me. And I think that's the main thing, always, right. the whole marriage. If we just think that way all the time, <laughs> it would go well. <laughs> Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Good thought. Mm, Did you have any more thoughts on the prayer topic before we move on? Um, just that, um, you know, I also have some free downloadable resources on my website, strengthforthesoul.com, if 
um, if there's wives listening that, that really want uh, more strategies on how they can, uh, again, uh, pray with their husbands. That's in, um, cool. again, it's at the end of 12 Ways to Experience More with Your Husband, but I also have um, articles on my website that might help. Cool. And I think then the other thing I wanted to talk about for just a minute before we leave this topic is what to do if your husband just doesn't want to pray with you. Uh, because this, this mm-hmm. actually occurs in a lot of homes. And exactly. uh, I'll, say, I'll say my perspective of this first, and then, Cindy, I want you to share yours. Uh, my perspective is Dave and I have actually gone through, and I call it <laughs> tides in, tides out, um, and it can happen in any area of our marriage. It can happen um, in, in our finances. It can happen in mm-hmm. uh, our conversation. It can happen in, in any, and sometimes it seems like it happens on all fronts at once. <laughs> when ties out, um, it, it, nothing's clicking. It's just like, oh, everything's hard. It's work. Yeah, but then when ties out, and when ties out for me at least, I feel like it will never come back in. This is it. Mm. It's hopeless. This is always going to be like this for the rest of our whole lives together, mm-hmm. and I don't think I can make it. You know. But then tide comes back in, and I'll be so surprised that tide came mm. back in, in the marriage. <laughs> and I think that I think that with prayer. Even if tides never come in for you yet one time and you're listening to this program today, I just want to encourage you that just because tides out does not mean it will never come in. Just you keep Mm -hmm. on having your own personal prayer time with God and asking God for the gift of a prayer time with your husband. And that's all I can Mm -hmm. encourage you is to just be content with your prayer time with God and let the tide come in on the right day in the right way at God's planning orchestration. So, Cindy, maybe what are are your thoughts? I don't know that I I can even add to that. That was a beautiful illustration too, and I like the visual there. Um, you know, we go through different seasons of life. You know, my husband's a pastor. Right. He didn't want to pray with me many times because I was often praying for things about church because I knew how directly that was uh, related to his life, and he'd say, "I need to separate that when I come home." And I, I didn't really understand that for a while, but then I right. realized, um, you know, during those seasons when he was kind of hesitant letting him know I'm praying for you or once in a while grabbing his hand and doing one quick sentence encouraging prayer Lord be with him today and help him sense your comfort and your peace and he began to realize that praying with me wouldn't be so long and drawn out and it wouldn't be so uncomfortable it might actually be you know a good thing so we've had to grow through that too but I agree with your (laughs) advice you know the that was the other thing I wanted to talk about before we leave this topic too is the style of it too. And I remember early on in our marriage and at one point my husband um, was kind of just like, instead of praying, um, he would just like be, okay, amen. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I was like, what's going, on? what's going on? And he goes, well, by the time you stop, you've already prayed for everything I was thinking about. And I'm like, oh, well, uh, let's not uh-huh. go that way then. Let's just make it, let's just make them short phrases, you know? And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, in a way, it's kind of like what we would do in the bedroom. You know, you don't just keep going forever without communicating. It's just good to communicate mm-hmm. about, you know, what your needs are, what your expectations are, how this can how this can be enjoyable for both of you. And honestly, God is fighting for our marriages. We know this is mm-hmm. true from Scripture, is that if you are married, God is fighting for your marriage. 
So he, of all people, wants you guys to pray uh, both independently of each other and together. Mm-hmm. And so if we can just say, okay, God, how would you like to see this happen? Instead of, we read this book and this is how they recommended it. Right. And, you know, I, I know exactly. you don't do that in your city, which is why I just love your ministry because you're all about, okay, he's unique, you're unique, together you're unique. How can you guys make uh-huh. this work in Christ? And I mm-hmm. love that about <laughs> I love that about your ministry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there would potentially come a day um, when a wife would just say, you know, I just can't do this anymore. All, all I have the heart to do is leave. I, just, I don't want to be here anymore. What do you say to the wife who's listening? And she's right there right now. You know, I would say that stick it out for the joy that's set before you. Um, sometimes we look at the temporary, but we don't look at all the costs and all the prices that we pay for walking away from a promise that we made forever. So if it's up to you, in any way up to you, I would encourage you to stick it out. And again, as Marnie said, God wants your marriage to work even more than you do. And relying on him and saying, God, I need your strength to love him. I need your strength to stay. I need your strength um, to do what I can to make this better. And I need your strength to to stay in this, God honors it when we rely on him. And sometimes he's waiting for us to get to that point where we say, God, I can't do anything anymore. I'm desperate for you. You know, amazing things happen when we get desperate for God. Um, I do have some practical um, steps in my chapter, stick it out about deploying a safety valve, having a certain phrase that we agree on ahead of time with our husband that we can say that um, will let them know in the heat of the moment, I still love you and I want to work this out. And sometimes it's as easy as just saying, um, I'm not your enemy. Um, We're on the same team. Um, Let's not talk about this for a few minutes so we can cool down because we need to to save what we have here. Uh, Words can be powerful if said in the right encouraging way at the right time. Hmm. I remember um, there was one day early, and not too early, in our marriage, maybe midway through, and I had reached the end of my rope and I was ready to leave. And I remember calling calling a godly girlfriend and just saying, you know, I, I just can't I can't do this anymore. I think I just need to leave. And um she never told me to stay. It was kinda interesting. Uh-huh. She just kept pointing me back to Jesus. Well what would yeah. <laughs> what would what would Jesus what would Jesus think about that? And um, you know, is uh-huh. it, are you really at peace in your heart with God that this is what he would want you to do? And she just kept pointing me back to Jesus and never wow. telling me I was wrong, never telling me anything like that. It was just so powerful. And I, uh-huh. I've told her many times over the years, the reason I'm still here is because of you. Yes. <laughs> but it was actually because she, in my moment of such sadness and grief and loss and disappointment and unmet expectations and all those things, she just pointed me back to the one person who could help me, and uh-huh. it wasn't my husband. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> true. You know, I, I, I often I, tell wives, yeah. I often tell wives, if ahead. you don't believe in your husband anymore, keep believing in the Lord because He's the one that can make right. it work. You trust God, and He's not right. your husband to make and it. And He's work. the one that puts you together, and He's the one that mm-hmm. is going to keep you together. And it's really yes. okay that sometimes it's really hard. That's not surprising. Um, what about life isn't really hard sometimes? 
everything's really hard from time to time. So the fact mm-hmm. that our marriages are hard, and, and this is a picture, the other thing is this is a picture of Christ in the church. I mean, it's not just a little mm-hmm. marriage thing, you know, kind of fun for us on the side. This is, this is a picture, and it, it's really important to God that we sustain that picture. So how do we rekindle that first love, Cindy? <laughs> you know, um, I, I often say grace is the glue that holds the two of you together. God's grace toward mm-hmm. you and your grace toward each other. And um, there are lots of ways that you can um, begin to show grace and, and forgiveness and just giving your husband the benefit of the doubt. And I've got some um, some uh, suggestions like rediscover your us, the things that are not just you and not just him, but the things that you enjoy together. Um, reinvesting in, in each other, refocusing on your intimacy, you know, go to a marriage conference together, get away for a date, uh, recommitting to each other, reaching out and touching each other, uh, revisiting fun, remembering the flirt, that's a huge one, and remembering what it was that first made you fall in love with your husband. When you remember that, it'll get your heart back to where it once was, and it'll, it'll remind you that God was the one that drew the two of you together. Hmm. I love just having you say that right then. My heart, my heart is just blossoming because I was uh, just remembering the first two things I loved about Dave. <laughs> I love, oh, I love that he was that he was the first one to be vulnerable in any relationship. I'd I'd watch him with a new person, and he would be the person who would lay something out there that the other person could absolutely use against him at, at some point uh, um, because it was so vulnerable. But he would be able to take a relationship from zero to friendship in you know. 60 seconds flat mm-hmm. almost. I mean, it was just incredible to watch. And the other thing that I loved first about him was he was he was always fighting for the underdog. He just always stood up for the underdog, and mm-hmm. I just thought that was amazing and awesome. And I know as you're listening to me that you are thinking, too, of some things that you loved about yourself way back when. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. really important to remember those things and to kindle that fire, rekindle that fire. Well, this hour has flown by, Cindy. Your website I know. is drinksforthesoul.com. And I'm going to just right. tell, if people go over there, you know, you've mentioned you have some resources for the prayer life. What else can they find over there? Yes, they'll find some teaching moments on video from all sorts of topics, so our individual relationship with God, feeling rejected, um, our relationship with our husband, our relationship with our daughter, um, how to not worry, how to trust God. I also have articles of encouragement that you can uh, download that are free of charge. I have lots of books and resources. Um, so go and be encouraged. Find hope and strength there at strengthsofthesoul.com. Oh, that's awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Um, so uh, coming up here on, um, on Love Day, do you guys have plans for your Valentine? You know, um, my husband is working that morning, but I'm sure we'll do something there in the evening. We, I just celebrated a birthday, so it's like we've been plans, 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 and then tomorrow night we've got um, a staff retreat at church, which is meant just for husbands and wives. Uh, so that will be nice. So we're getting a getaway tomorrow, too. So um, I'm sure there'll be something because we like making a big deal about occasions. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And right now I'm doing 12-2, 12-2, 12 
12 days oh, with my mom, right. two days with my husband, because this is the stage of life we're in. So this is a difficult stage of life. I'll tell you what, this is mm. stretching us a lot. But God is good. And, and when I ever worry about it or wonder about it, I know that God is fighting for my marriage. And you guys, I know that God is fighting for your marriage too. Uh, mm. Father, we just lift up all of these marriages that are represented here today. And we just know that you are fighting for marriages. We are so grateful that we are not alone in this. Um, we are not alone by ourselves or even alone with just our spouse, but we are together in this thing with you. And we are so grateful that you are part of our lives and that you are carrying us and drawing us closer together even as you're drawing us closer to yourself. Thank you for that. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank Amen. you, Cindy, for being here. So much fun to have you back you're again. You're welcome. It was All right. Fun, and thank you thank guys you. for being here. Yeah, can't have a radio show without listeners. So grateful that you guys are with us this afternoon. Join us every week here at Blog Talk Radio on Wednesday afternoons or listen to the archives from martysfriends.com. All kinds of great programs. There are over 200 now uh, archive programs just like this one that are going to help you to succeed in your God-given goals. And I pray that you'll have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time on Marty's Friends. Bye-bye.